Merry Christmas. This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio. A quick announcement that on Sunday, January 1st, we will be having a single worship gathering at 10.30 a.m. Our community welcomes and accepts all people. You are invited to join us this Sunday. For our usual worship schedule, directions, or to learn more about our community, visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days a decree went out from the emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. It was the first registration. It was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord, There will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and a child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who were hearing it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'm really thankful you're here tonight. Thankful. I want to go very deep with you tonight in a way that I'm not accustomed to doing from the pulpit. I promise that I won't be long, we'll get you out of here so that you can continue the celebrations, but I want to go dangerously deep into this story. There's a possibility that this was never meant to be a silent night. There's a possibility that on this night, God intended to turn the whole world upside down which depending on where you sit was either good news or or not. 
That would explain, of course, why a young unwed mother is at the very center stage and why the person they called king went so ballistic that he ordered a hit on her child. It would explain why the birth happens in a barn rather than the best birthing room in Bethlehem because God is intentionally turning some things upside down. It explained why it's shepherds out in the fields who are the first to greet Jesus rather than the mayor or the head of the bank or the business association. It explained why all the religious experts have no clue, but three foreigners following only a star figure it out. God's turning things upside down. And it would explain most of all what Mary is pondering and has been pondering for the past nine months. When an angel came to her and said, God has performed mighty deeds. God has scattered the proud. God has thrown the rulers down from their thrones and lifted up the humble. God is filling the hungry with good things and God is sending the rich away empty. So I know this is really hard to do. Might even be impossible, which is why I haven't tried it with visions of sugar plums dancing and gifts to be opened and families to be gathered with and yada, 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 yada. It's hard to be open to the possibility that things aren't right, that things are going wrong, that we desperately need a savior and peace. Tonight, God is keeping an ancient promise. He's leveling the high places, and he's filling up the low places, and he's dethroning the great, and he's lifting up the humble, and he's taking what's in the hands of the rich, and he's putting it in the stomachs of the poor. Anglican author and priest Frederick Beekner once asked this little narrative parable-like story. He said, what if, what if instead of this cute story... God would have taken all the stars in the sky and put them into one formation so all the world could see it and would just say, God is real. And there'd be a lot of really hip celestial music behind it. Wouldn't that have worked? And he speculated that yes, it probably would have worked for a while. Houses of worship of all kinds, they'd, all, they'd overflow, wars could stop, the poor might be fed, communities and care and love would break out. But he also speculated that eventually... Some young person would say to their father with a shrug, eh, what a nice story. So what? What difference does it make? Buechner hypothesized this about the Christmas message. The message and the music eventually will fade, eventually will get watered down. It might continue for a century or so by inertia, but eventually unless the church is intentional in proclaiming good news, it will no longer make any difference. Now, I've I've not seen those kind of stars in the sky, but I've, I've seen God is real. And I pray that every time we gather that you get some glimpse of that through the water, the word, the bread, the wine, a community gathered in peace and love. 
We, we have all had some experiences about the reality of God. We, we just kind of know it in our bones beyond philosophical debate. We just know God is. God is. Okay, God is. It, it's the touch of another. It's, it's the gift of love. It's the joy of laughter. It's the taste of an orange. It's the power of a hug. It's the grace of forgiveness. Damp early mornings. When the dew is still on the roses, God is How wonderful. We know that, but does it make any difference? Does that God who is make a difference in your lives and in the lives of the world? Now, maybe this is what's happened. Maybe we just kind of turned away with a shrug. We just put God in a box, put God in our back pocket, just get out whenever we need something from God or we want to beat somebody up with God. Maybe we just kind of left God out, defaulted back to what would be called the human condition, best summarized by one psychologist as the four F's, fighting, fleeing, feeding, and mating. I told you I'm going to go deep because we have to. (laughs) The state of the world, it demands it. Everywhere we look is futility and cruelty and bigotry and much worse. The dramatic loss of civility in this nation and in the world. Countless lives threatened, endangered by disease and disaster and poverty and power and guns and greed Where is God in the oppression of a whole people by corrupt leaders? Where is God when 65 million refugees have to flee for their lives and are forced to live in countries as resented strangers? Where is God in the stigmas that we slap on one another about race and gender and religion and politics? Where is God in the death of our friends and the anxiety and the depression that stalk our days? Just where is God? What difference does it make? I want to suggest to you, it's the mystery of Christmas. God is where God has always been. Right here. Right here amidst the smell of the hay and the manure. With love and with grace. And that's what this story is actually about. It's not about God is. In the pain of this holy childbirth, in the smack of this particular baby's bottom, With this baby's very first breath, God gives up transcendence and is here with us to make a difference. Behold, the angel says, I bring you all good tidings of joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you all is born this day a Savior, a savior, and Lord, we need one. But what kind of savior is it? Born in an occupied country of disputed parentage, forced to flee as a refugee, worked 30 plus years in obscurity in the middle of nowhere, betrayed by his friends, judicially tortured, religiously alienated, abandoned to die, But even death could not stop God's love for the world in the flesh. It matters. God is love. 
says Paul, and all who live in love live in God. Little baby Jesus, born in a barn. Oh, what a cute story. It is, it really is, but if that is it, then it is dangerously close to being trivialized and co-opted and culturally and systematically ignored. Because, so what? Does it make a difference? There's more to this story than God becoming real one night long ago. In this story, poverty is given preference. Humility is lifted up in this story. Love for all people is proclaimed by angels to the world. And peace is given as a divine mandate by anyone who will follow Jesus. And God is keeping his promise. For God so loved the world, loved the world, that God gave his son. This story matters. It has the power to divide your life into B.C. and A.D., your life. It has the power to give you comfort, I pray, and courage in the midst of the unjust and even the unthinkable things of life. It has the power to give you assurance that pain is not permanent, that death will not have the last word. It has the power to free you from fear It has the power to loosen your tongue on behalf of justice. It has the power to ground your life in love of God and love of neighbor. It has the power to give your life meaning, to make you a servant, to fill you and the world with compassion. What difference does this story make? It can make all the difference in the world. Amen.